Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Come on, let's worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What an incredible atmosphere. I'm telling you, heaven is here in this place today if you're willing to open your heart and receive it. Man, I'm so pumped to be in the house of God here this morning. I just really feel like God's really going to speak to our hearts here this morning. So, hey, can we just pray into the Word this morning? Why don't you join me? Heavenly Father, as we come around your Word here this morning, we just give you permission to speak to the depths of our heart. And God, we we know you've already been speaking to us. We can feel that you're already encouraging us and loving on us, forgiving us, giving us your grace. But God, we're hungry for more. God, we want dessert. The best is now, God. So we thank you, Lord, that you're going to speak clearly to every single person. God, even those in this place that might feel disconnected from you. God, I'm believing that this morning you're going to speak encouragement into their life. Lord, that they might know you. In Jesus' name, God, we love you. We receive your grace and truth this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes, God, we worship you. King of kings, Lord of lords. We are incredible time of worship. Thank you, worship team. You can all be seated in the presence of God. Claire's just going to hang with me for a bit. Well, hey, it's getting a bit cold, isn't it? We're in a new season of winter, and uh, this week I've really felt it. Uh, something a bit random happened to me. I was driving along the parkway, um, as you do, at about 100 k's an hour, and uh, just randomly just talking to my apprentice. It was like the middle of the day. And all of a sudden, I'm driving, my driver's side window just went and just shattered into like a thousand pieces. And I'm driving, trying not to like swerve off the road, glasses going everywhere. And so for the next like couple of days, I've just been driving like at seven in the morning out to Gengarland like this, like at at minus one in the morning. So I know that winter is here. Uh, I know you guys know winter is here. We've all been cranking up the heaters. But in this season for our church, it's also a time where we turn up our faith. And, uh, you know, we do this as we, at this time of the year, we come around the month's theme of generosity. And so I really want to speak into that here this morning. And we have an overall winter theme of faith that brings light. And in this month in particular, like I said, we're focusing on being generous with our lives. And we do this, of course, as we lead up to our Vision Builders service, which is on the 23rd of June. So that's just in three weeks' time where not only do we bring to God uh, Uh, we fulfill our pledge for this current financial year, but we bring to God in faith a new pledge for the next financial year. And it's a really powerful moment where, where we seek God about what He's calling us to give into the life of this church. And it's important that we are reminded that this church only exists because of the sacrifices of its members, the generosity of, of people like you and I who love to just invest into the house of God and just believe in faith for the kingdom to expand. And I, in fact, right now you are sitting in someone else's sacrifice. Isn't that incredible? That someone who gave like 15 years ago did it so that you could be here today in the house of God. And the church exists because of those members who, number one, regularly tithe. 
And that's when we bring our 10% into the house of God every single week because we acknowledge that God brings us the 100% and we're honoring him with that. And as a church, that goes towards the ongoing costs of the ministry. And we have a tight budget because we want to make sure that you know, we use that money as far as we can to reach people and to bless this house. But number two, the church exists because of those who give sacrificially into the building fund. And this is where we not only pay off our church building, and as a church, we're moving closer and closer to that day where we're mortgage-free, and we're going to really get some strong momentum for this church once we do that. But we also plan for future renovation work, just awesome things like that, expansion, improvements to the facility, maintenance, all that kind of stuff. So as a church this month, we really want to encourage you to get behind the vision of the church, and we just want to encourage you to open your heart and ask God what He might ask you to, to pledge into the new financial year. Awesome. So this morning, I have the privilege and I'll say the challenge of opening up our new month theme on generosity. But I'm really feeling that God's going to speak to us today if you're hungry to hear Him. Amen? Amen. Hey, let's go to the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 to 5. Thanks, Claire. You can have a well-earned rest. But firstly, before we go to chapter 9, let me just fill in on a bit of context of what we're reading here. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is strongly linked and just flows on from chapter 8. And what we're going to read is that here the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And he's, he's encouraging them about a particular offering that he's taking up for the poor Christians in Jerusalem. At the time, uh, there were many Christians in Jerusalem that were very poor because of persecution, war, famine. Uh, not even to mention just there were many people who were very poor when they decided to follow Christ. Because Christ obviously had no problem with relating to poor people and preaching the gospel. So Paul is writing to the church in Corinth about this offering that they're collecting for the people in Jerusalem. And not only is he writing to them, he's actually acquainting them with the, uh, with the Macedonians because the Corinthians actually pledged a year earlier on what they were going to give. And Paul's writing to them and saying, hey, you have inspired the Macedonians to give generously. And so now he's writing to them to encourage them and to remind them that he's coming to collect the offering. So let's go to Corinthians chapter 9. And see what Paul is going to say to them. NIV version. He starts off saying this. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. Now let's stop there for a second because I think of things like, well, why are you writing it then? Have you ever read a verse like this and then thought, I wonder if that's worded correctly. I might go check that out in another version. And so I decided to go back to the year 1611, when the original King James Version was finished. And I wanted to see how it was written then. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 9 verse 1 in the King James Version. He says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. Have you ever read the King James Version and had to go get a dictionary? Who here knows what superfluous means? Okay, you're all smarter than me. I had to go get my dictionary... And uh, superfluous means this, it's unnecessary, especially through being more than enough. In other words, because there's just so much evidence of it. So let's use this in a sentence. Uh, turn to the person next to you 
and say, I'll tell you how beautiful you are. Tell them. But it would be superfluous of me. Because there's just so much evidence in your face, it's unnecessary. Right, so we got that word. Okay, let's go back to the NIV version. Now that we know what Paul's really meaning here. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. It's superfluous of me. For I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter, in your generosity, should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready. Everyone say, be ready. Be ready ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and then find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, but we would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary, this is verse 5, our key scripture, to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift that you had promised, that you had pledged. Then it will be ready. Let's say be ready again. As a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Amen to God's word, hey? Thank you, Lord, for your word. Speak to us today. My message title, if you haven't already picked it up, is Be Ready. Be ready, talking into generosity, leading up to our Vision Builders service in three weeks' time. I think that I've always been the kind of person who's been fairly well organized and well prepared. Um, Not to say that my life is in order at all, or not to say that I'm better than any of you who aren't naturally as organized as what I feel I am. But I remember just as a child, like growing up, um, I'd like to always have things ready. Like um, in school, my pencil case had to make sure everything was there that I needed. It has its own space. Um, Going to to soccer, I wanted to make sure I was as prepared as I could be for game day, just mentally and physically. Um, Things like that, getting ready for tests, I wanted to make sure I was as prepared and as well organized as I could be. So um, even to this day, um, with my work van, I like to make sure that I've got everything stocked up really well, everything has its place and neat. I want to be prepared for anything I need for that week. I don't stock uh, passenger side windows in my van, but maybe I need to now. But um, so I was, even like my week, I love to plan my week, what's coming up. So yeah, I always assumed that I was a really organized person until I met my wife, Emily. She's like next level organized and just prepared for things. And I think she actually goes too far sometimes. So like, for example, um, I'm like her, I love to know what restaurant we're going to if we go on a date, because that's cool. I want to know if I'm going to eat Italian or whatever. But see, M's next level, she will actually look up the menu and decide what she's going to get before we even go out to the restaurant. So if you ever see us out at dinner on a date, and she's looking at a menu, it's not because she's looking for her, she's trying to help me decide what I'm having, because she previously organised and prepared herself for what meal she's going to order. So she takes it a bit far, but um, you know, whether you're naturally as organised or prepared as 
you know, at my level or, or M's level, or maybe you're not very well prepared usually, maybe you're down here somewhere. Um, it doesn't really matter, but I guess I would, I think, assume that you would at least prepare yourself for those things that are important to you and those things that you love. So just a quick example, um, if you're going for a job interview, for a job that you really want, I'm assuming even if you're not naturally an organized person, you're going to try and look your best, smell your best, be prepared for whatever questions they're going to ask you because you want the job. If, you're, if you find out you're having a baby, awesome, congratulations. I bet you're not going to wait till the day before birth before you prepare yourself to bring a baby home. Is that right, mothers out there? Yep, you take a couple of months at least. Um, I know for us getting married, um, I had to prepare my home to be our home for Em to move in once we got married. And um, I remember looking at how many clothes she had and how many shoes I had and thinking, you know, this, this current walk-in robe is not going to work. It's too small. This could be the end of us after a week of marriage. So did a full renovation, built a massive walk-in robe. Thank you, Joel and Giselle. They did a great job. And um, so I prepared myself for marriage and it's gone great. No arguments yet. So anyways, back to scripture because I'm just rambling on. We all love to prepare our things for things that are important to us, right? Correct? So do we prepare ourselves for giving? Do we prepare ourselves for pledging to God in generosity? Because here in our scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is reminding the Corinthians about the generous pledge that they had made because it is so important to not only them, but to the poor Christians in Jerusalem and to the church. And he's wanting them to be ready. He's wanting them to be prepared. And even though he knows that it is superfluous, unnecessary for him to remind them about generosity, he, he does it anyways because he wants to make sure that when they collect the offering, that it will be given, he said, generously, not just grudgingly. Generously, not grudgingly. Because here's the thing that I want to, I guess, draw out of this passage here today and, and deposit into your hearts is that it's not necessarily the amount that makes a gift generous. It's the heart in which it's given. It's not necessarily the amount that makes a gift generous. It's the heart in which it's given. And Paul shows us this. Can we look at verse 5 again? Where he said, So I thought it necessary, this is why, to urge the brothers to visit you in advance, and finish the arrangements, the preparations for the generous gift that you have promised. Then it will be ready. Let's say be ready again. As a generous gift, not as one just grudgingly given. So we can see here that, yes, Paul acknowledges that what they pledged was generous. But he makes it clear to them, if you haven't prepared your spirit to give it willingly, your generous gift will lose its true value and it will turn into something ugly, something that's given grudgingly. 
And Paul's heart wasn't just to turn up to the Corinthians, thanks for your offering, and just leave and give it to the poor Christians of Jerusalem. He could have done that. But Paul's heart was that he would collect the offering from them giving, them giving it generously so it would actually do something in their hearts as well so then he could take a gift that was willingly given to the poor people of Jerusalem because he knows that is where the power is when you give to God. After all, in Acts 20, verse 35, Jesus said this, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Think about that. It's more blessed to give than is to receive. What that means is when you give something away, that gift has the potential to give back to you more inside than it has from you giving it away externally. Isn't that powerful? And this is the same heartbeat of our church. And I don't care what the media says about the church just wants your money. I'm not, I don't fall for that. The heartbeat of the church is that you would, it would, it's not that you would just show up and heartlessly pledge on vision builders and give an amount of money to the building fund. No, no, no. But the heart of the church is that you would prayerfully consider it, seek God, find meaning and purpose in it, and willingly pledge it and fulfill it with a generous spirit. So that by building the kingdom of God, not only do you do that, but you also build your relationship with God within. Do you know that sometimes the best way to receive a blessing is just to give one away? Because the most powerful blessings you can ever receive, they're not the external gifts of money. They're the internal gifts of joy and peace and purpose and faith in God and closeness with God, grace, the grace of God, the power of God. And Jesus was the perfect example of giving things away. I mean, Jesus gave his life away for you and I. Yes, he gave things to the poor. Yes, he healed people. But ultimately, he gave his life away for you and I. And I love this scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, where it reminds us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Look at this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So Jesus did not grudgingly give his life for you and I. He willingly, he generously gave it for you and I. I mean, have you ever received a gift from someone and you can kind of tell it was just a, oh, I kind of had to give you a gift. Here it is. You know, the gift, no matter what it is, no matter how generous it might be, it doesn't feel that good. But, but someone who gives you a gift, even if it's not worth a lot, if it's given with heart and, and with joy and out of love, it doesn't matter what the gift's worth. It means so much more than if someone gave you a big gift just because they felt like they had to. And the question is, how do you give to God? Whether, whether it's when you bring the tithe to Him or whether you go above and beyond that and you go to that next level of faith and, and you sow into the building fund. Or even when you give and you sponsor that child or you give to that charity that you're really passionate about, how do you give? Do you give it just grudgingly or do you give it generously? And, you know, I think this is the power of making a pledge is that I'm pledging for what I want to, what I feel God's telling me to give sacrificially into the year. And what I love about it is I personally like to fulfill that monthly because I don't want to just come to the end of the financial year 
and be like, oh, I have to, or I should do this and give it grudgingly. I want to make sure that every month I have an opportunity to go, God, I choose to give this willingly into your house. I'm believing for your provision, not just for your house, but also in my life as well. And I'd really encourage you to do that. As you seek God for what you are going to maybe bring into the house of God, is God, what can I give weekly or what can I give monthly? Because it's not going to become a grudging thing at the end of the year because you'll do it step by step, faith by faith, grace by grace. Be ready. Be ready. And so when it comes to giving generously, does that now mean that I don't need to think about the condition of my heart? Sorry, no. Does that mean that I only need to think about the condition of my heart? Because we say it a lot in church, you know, it's not about the amount. It's all about the heart, right? And yes, correct. That's what I've just been preaching about. But here's the challenging part of my message. The heart cannot be used as a cop-out. So a cop-out means to avoid doing something that one should do. So to skip, to dodge, side. Step, skirt around, steer clear of, evade, escape, run away from. Because to give generously from the heart, true generosity, it involves integrity and giving God my best. And, you know, if, if God's calling you to give a dollar, then that's generous if that's what you can give. You know, we see this in Scripture where Jesus sees the poor widow Amongst all the rich people, she just put in less than a dollar. But Jesus looked through the crowd and said that was a gift given generously because that's all that she was called to give. That's the only means that she had. But, but if you're called to give thousands or, or tens of thousands, I want to encourage you, that's the grace that God's given you to give. That's the capacity that God, God's called you to give. So whether it's a dollar or whether it's 10000 or dare I say it, if God's given you the means to give $100,000, do it generously, but make sure you do it willingly with God at the center of your heart. And Paul mentions this about giving the best that you can as we continue on in verse 6. He says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And so only you know the amount that God is calling you to give. And if you give that amount generously, you will also reap generously. So being part of being ready and being prepared is to seek God about what is the amount that God is calling me to give. Or if you're married, what is the amount that God is calling us to give? What is a generous gift for us? And Because I strongly believe that God will put an amount on your heart if you ask him. I found that, that, that if you seek God about this, if you take it seriously, God will place an amount on your heart. And it might feel uncomfortable at first, but God will fill your heart with faith if you go to him with just that heart of gratitude. So Paul continues in verse 7 to 8. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so in no way am I trying to preach to pressure you at all into giving. No way at all. And, and we'll never do that from this pulpit. What, what I want to do today is encourage you to seek God 
and get him to tell you what he's asking you to give. And it continues, and then God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, all things, not just money, in peace, in joy, in, in all these amazing things at all times, whenever you need it, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. How powerful is this passage of Scripture? 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And, you know, this message is, is a call to action. You know, I really just pray that, that from today that we, we go home and this week we start those conversations with our connect groups or with your spouse or with your friend about what am I called to give in three weeks' time as we come and celebrate in our Vision Builders service. Because I think the heart of our church, we never want someone coming, up to, coming to church on an on a amazing service like Vision Builders and being unprepared in their heart. We, we don't want gifts that are given grudgingly. We want gifts that are given generously with a heart that's willing and knowing that God's behind it. And, you know, Emily and I have started this conversation this week because I want to practice what I preach. And we've started talking about what God's calling us to give into the next financial year. And I'm glad we've done it because we've come to an agreement about an amount we're feeling God's calling us to give. And um, I, I believe that it's a sacrificial level. And I'm glad that we've talked about it now because we can now start getting that amount in our heart. So that when we pledge it on Vision Builders, we can do it out of complete unity and joy with each other. So who do you need to talk to about Vision Builders? If I could grab the keys up, Claire, that would be awesome. Hey, let's be honest. Giving can be um, a very challenging thing to talk about in church. And it can cause a lot of offense sometimes for people when they come to church, when we talk about money. But you know... Jesus warned us and said, you know, money is linked to the heart. And there's going to be times when we need to encourage each other in our generosity and talking about it. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And so wherever you decide to, to give generously your money, that's where your heart will follow. And you know, your heart might already be in this house. I want to encourage you, keep giving because your heart will go deeper into this house. You might be seeking God and you might not feel connected to the house of God. But I want to encourage you, start giving. Because as you start giving generously, your heart will follow. You'll find this place home. You'll find a new purpose, a new connection that will come alive in this house. Maybe you once gave, but you've stopped doing it. I want to encourage you today to seek God this week over the next couple of weeks. God, what are you calling me to sacrifice and to give into your house? And I just wanted to finish on a story in the Bible which, which really touched my heart. And I believe it's going to minister to a lot of us today. And it's out of Mark chapter 14, verse 3 to 9. Before we read, you know, I know that sometimes giving money to the church can sometimes just seem like a waste. Have you ever grown up with someone that said, you know, giving your money away is just a waste? You know, there, there are a lot of people that are very close to my heart that would, that if they knew that I was a giver, they would say, that's a waste. Why do you give money to the church? That's a waste. And so I want to read this scripture because I think it's very powerful. Mark chapter 14. It says, While Jesus was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, 
a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. I was going to grab some perfume. And it says that it was made of pure nard. It says that she broke the jar, just broke it. And then she started pouring the perfume just on the head of Jesus. She was just anointing him, rubbing it, I'm assuming, maybe on his hair, just over his shoulders, just anointing him, this very expensive perfume. And then some of those present were saying indignantly to one another while she was just doing this, why this waste? Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor because they were trying to sound really holy. You know, they weren't thinking about the poor. They were just thinking about, about the money. Why this waste? And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them at any time you want and you should do that. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. Not what other people expected. She did what she could. And will you do what you can? She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And 2,000 years later, we still talk about it. And what I love about this story and where it ministered to me the most is that even though others, as she was pouring the perfume, the very expensive perfume, others just saw this. All they saw was just this. What a waste. Look at all this money. Could have been given to the poor. But she didn't see it as money. She saw it as worship. It's not waste. It's worship. You know, think of all the things that she could have done with this money. What's a year's wages in Australia on average? Like $60,000? Imagine a $60,000 bottle of perfume in worship. What, she could have renovated her bathroom, maybe both of them. She could have bought another car. She could have gone on an amazing trip all the way to Australia. But for her, when she thought about it, those things for her were a waste. She wanted to spend it on worship. And I'm not saying we shouldn't renovate our houses and go on holidays and, and buy a car, because I do all those things, and I love those things. But what I'm saying is that what is God calling you to sacrifice? Because even though some of those things are good and God wants us to be blessed, there is still a level of sacrifice that God is calling us to make. What is God calling you to make? You know, it's a beautiful day in your life when giving doesn't look like waste, it looks like worship. So can we all stand to our feet right now? I just want to conclude and just really encourage every single one of you here in this place to seek God over the next couple of weeks so that you can be ready. Please don't come to Vision Builders unprepared in your heart for giving. We don't want that. 
We want you to give generously out of a heart that's willing. Because here's the thing, giving is meant to be fun. Giving is meant to be exciting. Yes, it can be challenging, but giving is meant to be one of the most joyous acts of worship that we are to do. It's not a waste. It's investing into the kingdom of God. And God promises in his word that he will bless you for it when you are generous. Can I just pray a blessing over us as a church right now? Let's close our eyes. Lift your hands to heaven. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this season, God, of generosity that we're stepping into. God, we want to have faith that brings light. God, we want to advance the kingdom of God because we want to reach other people, God, out in our community. We want to reach our family. We want to reach our friends. We want to reach our work colleagues. God, we want to reach the lost sheep that that have left. We want to go after them. We want to see this house full of people worshipping God for your glory, Lord. And I thank you, God, that you have called us to be a part of it. You've called us to give faithfully and sacrificially. And God, I pray this week that every single one of us will start that conversation in our hearts about what we can get prepared in our hearts to give to you and to pledge for you this next coming year. God, I pray for any person in this place that might have felt offence for what we're talking about here. God, I pray you'll bring understanding. May you help them to see that this is an act of worship. This is because we love you, God, and we want to build your house. In Jesus' mighty name, hey, keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. If you're in this place and you do not have a relationship with God, I really just feel strong in my heart that God wants to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour and take a step towards Him. This might be the first time that you've decided to live for Jesus. This might be the second time, the third time, the 100th time. But wherever you are in your relationship with God, whether you're coming to Him for the first time or you're coming back to Him, you're recommitting your heart to God. On the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up Be bold and brave. Be proud about it because I want to to see your hand and I want to lead you in a prayer that will connect you with the God of heaven. So on the count of three, if that's you, please lift your hand up. God is speaking to your heart right now. One, two, three. Who are those people? Let's lift your hand up right now. Thank you, Jesus, across this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, God. Who else is there today that wants to start a fresh relationship with Christ? Who else is there today? Your scripture says that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. The old sins have washed away and the new has come. Anyone else? A couple more seconds. Thank you, God. Amen. Hey, let's put our hands together for this person. I'm going to pray with them at the end of the service. But what an amazing thing. Hey, we're going um, to close the service shortly, but what I want to do is I want to open up the altar call. I really want to pray for those of you, as we're talking around finance and generosity this month, if you, are, if you need a new job, 
or if you are believing for a pay rise, a breakthrough. I know we all want pay rises, but if you are, if you are honestly, you need a pay rise, you believe you deserve it, you're praying and believing for it, I want you to come down the front because I've found that I have an anointing for this thing. Um, in my connect group, when I pray for people that need a new job or need a pay increase, a week later they have one. And I've prayed for a couple of people at church the last year and the same thing has happened. So if that's you, I want you to come down the front right now because I just want to pray that over you. Come now, right now. Thank you. Can we encourage these people as they come forward? Come on, if you need a breakthrough, saying, God, I need a breakthrough in this area of my life. Amen. Hey, we're going to all pray together. We're not here just to to watch. We're here to participate. So let's all stretch our hands out right now as we just pray and believe for breakthrough for these people. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.